coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today we discuss incredible octopus scatter malware spreads via supply chain attack. Next up, uncovered dials up jailbreaking tool for every single iPhone. And finally, two truths and a lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 49, recorded on June 1st, 2020. I'm your co-host, Kelsey. I'm in it for the long pun, LaBelle. With me, co-host Chad, pretty in ink, Anderson, and our very special guest, Sean, my lawyer made me change the content of the shout-out, McNee. Welcome. Thank you. I am uh, pleased to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. So, um, Sean, I think you're going to have to explain yourself here. You can't just drop that without some context. Well, my lawyer made me change the content of this shout out so I wouldn't get sued. You know, call out to a fallout boy from 2006 if you're paying attention, people. (laughs) (laughs) If you're paying attention. And just another note for those tuning in, uh, Sean is my boss, so there will be a lot less expletives in this podcast recording. (laughs) Great. I'll do a lot less editing with my fake bleeping. Um, That still hasn't happened yet. We still need to get one of you to just say malware in a really deep voice, and so I can use that as our bleeper. I think that's Sean. We'll we'll task Sean with that today. Sean, I'd like to hear you. I'd like you to audition for that role now. Can you say malware in your deepest voice, please? Excuse me. Malware. That's pretty good, Chad. Malware. <laughs> oh, you're going, you're going, Batman? you're going, Batman. <laughs> Definitely going with Batman. <laughs> Where's Rachel? Malware. <laughs> it's my best impression of Chad doing an impression of Batman. Oh, thank you. That's really you're good. you're welcome. Did I nail it? I've been yeah. really working at it for the last twenty seconds. I <laughs> 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 put a lot of effort into it. All right. Well, enough shenanigans. Let's discuss incredible octopus scanner malware spread via supply chain attack, which uh, may make Chad's intro even funnier. Um, So security researchers have found a new malware that finds and backdoors open source NetBeans projects hosted on GitHub web-based code hosting platform to spread Windows, Linux, and Mac OS systems and deploy a remote administration tool or rat. So, Chad, I think you know what's coming. I, I'd like you to tell Sean and I a story. A story of this malware and how it was discovered. Yeah, Uncle Chad, can you please tell us a story? <laughs> please. Uh, so this one's actually pretty simple. There's a security researcher uh, that goes by JJ uh, that works, I guess, in Defer that um, they brought it up to the GitHub Security Incident Response Team, or CERT for short. Um, and that's pretty much how it went down. I guess, did that that story in your mind have some pictures with it it was kind of short i feel like yeah. sean and i paid for a longer i was kind of expecting an audiobook sean was that the same page you were on here that's the story that uncle gives you when he just wants to go back to his beer and have you like go to bed and shut up <laughs> 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 i told you a story get in bed talk yourself in 
Okay, fair enough. I'll let you off the hook there, Chad. Um, speaking of JJ, it sounded like this particular person provided quite a few helpful details about the malware back to GitHub. So what exactly did they share with the GitHub cert? Yeah, so you said that there were a number of NetBeans projects, which is a Java um, IDE or integrated development environment used for writing code uh, that were serving up malware. And the C2 servers for the malware at the time were not active, um, but the 20 plus projects were being used to spread the virus around. Um, he also pieced apart a bunch of that malware for them. He'd done some work previously on the rat that gets dropped by this malware. And I'm wondering if that's how... Um, uh, they were able to find it. So that's pretty much um, what they brought to the CERT team there. Interesting. Now, is there any explanations behind why NetBeans is named NetBeans, or is it just that way? Oh, gosh. I I have not suffered through much Java in my life for the last, like, 10 years or so. I've been very lucky. Maybe Sean knows because he's suffered through a lot more recently than me. Well, yeah, I mean, NetBeans has been around forever. It was one of the first original Java IDEs that was developed, I want to say like the late 90s, early 2000s, like completely written in Java. So it was, you know, Java ID written in Java, and it's been around forever. It's now like an Apache project uh, IDE, I believe. Oh, and of course, it's called NetBeans because it has to do with Java coffee. I'm just oh, real slow today. Oh, yeah. boom. Well, okay, because I was gonna say the real missed opportunity if there's is if there is not an open source project on Java called Java the Hut, mm. um, that feels like we have failed the world if that's the case. I think that's one of those weird drive-through coffee stands in Northern Washington. So. <laughs> that's a great wow. That's a good use. That's a good use for that title. I'll accept that too. I guess. <laughs> All right, so back to it, Chad. Um, enough enough tomfoolery from you today, sir. Just kidding. Never stop with the tomfoolery. Chad foolery, if you will. Um, so what can you tell us about the actual infection details? Yeah, so uh, this is a supply chain attack, which are like gaining a lot of popularity, I guess, or well, they're gaining some spotlight. Um, it's where someone goes after the distribution pipeline for a project or the build pipeline. So there's like what's called the CICD, which is continuous integration and continuous deployment pipelines that are more and more popular with uh, projects that automate their build and testing process and things like that. So um, this one particularly gains persistent by uh, building their malware into the created artifacts or of uh, developer tooling. So in a world, like I said, where everything's more automated, uh, this is a really good place for malware to hide because a lot of that code is obfuscated away behind all these testing libraries and suites and all these things. So in, in this case, the Octopus Scanner uh, was enumerating NetBeans projects, um, finding user directories, uh, then copying in their malicious payload and making sure that every jar file built, um, which is like, you can think of that as a Java binary, like a, the Java equivalent of an EXE file maybe, um, is then infected with the Octopus Scanner so it can spread to new projects. And then there's the dropper that it brings down um, that would pull in that um, rat or that Trojan that we talked about before. So the malware kind of disguises itself as a text file when it first comes in. It's actually a jar. Uh, there's a bunch of obfuscation to avoid detection. And so all in all, I found it to be like kind of clever. It was a it was a nice write up, um, you know, from the GitHub cert team. And um, yeah, it was props to that JJ person for um, finding it. Chad, I'm going to restate the beginning of your answer the correct way. Just hold for a second. 
Okay. In a world where everything is more <laughs> automated, <laughs> yeah. this is a good place for malware to hide. That's, You're welcome, Chad. That's perfect. That's really good. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, major props to JJ, though. It sounds like they did quite the write-up. And I was also pretty impressed by GitHub's response as well. Um, it seems like they handled things fairly well. Would you agree with that, Chad? Oh, yeah, they're 13 solid. I've seen some good write-ups from them in the past. Certainly. Certainly. Oh, boy. All right, well, let's talk malware then. So walk us through the different components of this octopus scanner, if you will. These are the original infection vector from what I understood is unknown, um, but it does drop that text file that's actually a jar, like I had talked about. Um, that pulls down this NetBeans infector, uh, which basically infects the IDE, I would guess. Um, from what I understood there. And then it creates a backdoor build file that infects all of the future um, JAR files that are built. Um, then those can pull down the rat, which communicates with the C2 and so forth. So um, like I was saying, I'm guessing that JJ found this because they have a previous write-up on their site about the rat that's pulled down in 2019. I think the blog post was called The Backdoor Factory. Um, and that's a that's a really good write-up as well. Um, worth looking at. And it's linked in the bottom of the uh, GitHub cert article. So we'll have that in the, in the notes. This episode of Breaking Badness brought to you by JJ. <laughs> and the Backdoor Factory. That's just a great like band name. Um, I was the Backdoor Factory. That's like the covers. band's name, right? Like JJ's the lead singer, and then there's the Backdoor Factory. Yeah, we've got Rat on Drums. Uh, <laughs> 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 wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> okay, well, I think a major part of this conversation I want to make sure we cover is this idea of the open source supply chain. And of course, there are some unique challenges with platforms like GitHub and, and supply chain attacks. So I'd just love to hear your thoughts on this particular discussion. Yeah, so uh, GitHub's obviously a massive boost to the open source community and all free software. Um, typically with how things work on there, just in, in case people don't contribute to open source software, you would fork a project and go ahead and make some changes that you want to be merged into the project. And then you would create a pull request to the uh, one of the branches of that project. And eventually it would get merged into the master branch, which is kind of like the production one. So hopefully when those things um, come in, uh, that there's people paying attention, you know, to any changes in their build processes there, you know, if it's, um, you know, GitHub has all of this automation now so that you can do your builds on GitHub and you don't have to like reach out to anywhere else. Um, so hopefully, yeah, people are paying attention when um, requests to change that are coming in. Um, however, if someone is able to compromise that process, it's a huge concern, right? Because especially if it's a big project, um, I'm sure that starting small on something like the NetBeans IDE repositories and slowly moving into bigger projects may be like what these people were looking to do and how supply chain attacks evolve, right? Like kind of how we see with attackers will infiltrate tertiary vendors of um, their final targets and work their way to a secondary vendor and then to their final target to kind of like slowly move their way in through layers of insecurity, you know, since the, the much smaller vendors usually will be some small business that won't be as, um, you know, paying as much attention. So Anyways, these are complicated attacks and a sign of a sophisticated attacker. So um, really, again, interesting that this was caught so quickly before the C2s were flipped on. Thank you so much. That was a, f a fantastic description there. I really appreciate it, Chad. And 
the question I always like to answer or have you answer at the end of these discussions is really how risky are attacks like this and what's the real impact that we're looking at? Yeah, I, uh, I would say this one's huge risk, huge reward, right? Um, if your pull request, your malicious pull request gets through, then you've got a lot of access to developer machines, um, people with credentials to all kinds of projects, working at all kinds of companies. You know, a, a lot of people just blindly trust the packages that they import into their projects and that they're using. Um, so the impact here has a potential to be massive. And that's why the supply chain attacks are so hot right now. Um, Couple that with, you know, so much of the build process abstracted away now and automation, like we talked about, and you could potentially sneak into a lot more projects after you have a rat on one trusted developer's machine. So the, the risk here, you know, is, is high in that if you get caught, there's going to be a lot more people looking at the project. But if you're able to get in, right, the impact is massive if it works. So, um, luckily in this case, we've got people like JJ and GitHub cert team thinking about these sort of things and looking for them. Well said, and I think this segues quite nicely into our hoodie ratings. And so a quick reminder from zero to 10 hoodies, 10 hoodies is the fear in Chad's eyes when he is hearing all of the puns from these episodes, and zero is Chad hearing no puns, so zero is lack of concern and impact, and 10 is a very a very bad place to be. Would you agree with that, Chad? Is that a good? Yeah, that's a great assessment <laughs> um, on, the, on, on the pun scale. <laughs> All right. Well, Sean, I'm going to start with you. What would you rate this ad? To say a holy wars punishment due kind of scenario. <laughs> uh, you know, it's I, I kind of struggled with this, right? Because, you know, so NetBeans isn't like the world's most popular Java IDE, but you know, it's a really sneaky way of uh, putting in some malware into some code. We've seen other supply chain attacks happen in the past, like with Ruby and Node.js, where you kind of, you know, hack into an upstream package, everybody kind of pulls down. And you also saw, you know, Xcode was was hacked into uh, in China a couple of years ago. Uh, but I don't know. So I'm, I'm going to give it a four because I feel like if you're kind of in that NetBeans world, it's kind of high, high concern. But if you're using, you know, a different, you know, IDE, then it's not going to affect you at all right now. Um, that's kind of where I'm at. Chad, would you agree with that assessment? You know, I, I would only put it up a little bit higher, like maybe a six, uh, maybe like a hoodie missing its sleeves, you know, um, a small pile of puns um, if we're going to label it. Um, but uh, the... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the reason I say that is I think that as these kind of attacks develop, it gives people more ideas. Um, and as the tooling for these kind of attacks gets more and, you know, easier and easier to, to use, um, and kind of just, uh, yeah, attackers start looking at it more as a possibility. Um, and, and these kind of things get fleshed out and people get better at them. Uh, it's going to be more of a problem. Um, so there's fewer and fewer projects that don't have some sort of CI CD pipeline. In fact, I would be really surprised if there are any major projects that aren't um, automatically tested and, and have, you know, this big build process around them. So you're ringing the alert label on this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, enough of that shenanigans. Let's get into our second article here with Sean, which is Uncovered dials up jailbreaking tool for every single iPhone. So the hacking team behind the Uncovered jailbreaking tool has released a new version of the software that can unlock every single iPhone, including those running the latest iOS 13.5 version. So Sean, for starters, what can you tell us about this hacking team? You no, know, actually not a whole lot. 
they are a group of individuals that clearly are focusing on jailbreaking iOS devices, and that includes iPhones, iPads, iPod Touches, Apple TVs. They've been around for the last couple of years. You know, their Twitter account's been around for like a year and a half. Uh, they currently have 11 members and are led by the guy with the coolest Twitter handle, Pwn to Owned, complete with, you know, W's, twos, and, and zeros. As it should be. Yeah. <laughs> Can I take anything seriously if they're not um, letters replaced with numbers? I just won't. I won't invest emotionally in it. So I'm really glad to hear that they're doing that. Um, <laughs> so with that in mind, can you remind folks as to what jailbreaking is before we get get into more of the detail here? Yeah, jailbreaking is also known as rooting a device and exploits uh, use an exploit uh, to find a flaw in your operating system, in this case in iOS, and allows it to grant users full control um, over their device. So this would allow somebody in iOS to get access to you know, additional customizations or install um, otherwise prohibited uh, applications, things outside Apple's own app store, which you know, could make use of hardware in, in new and exciting ways. And you answered this just a little bit, but I'm curious, what are some of the other the benefits of jailbreaking outside of what you just mentioned and some of those pitfalls or risks? One of the uh, historic strengths of iOS has always been its security, right? Apple kind of locks you down into its own, you know, walled garden. So the device itself only kind of lets you do what Apple allows you to do. And that's fine as long as you want to play in that world. Um, and the benefits, it includes stability, security, and, you know, a high quality user experience. Now, jailbreaking, on the other hand, lets you uh, gain more power from your device to kind of do specifically what you would like to do, so to speak. But it comes with some real risks. Uh, first, uh, certain Apple services like iMessage or iCloud Backup may stop working when you jailbreak. Apple may say, oh, this, this device is no longer legit. It's broken the the trust chain, so we're not going to let you do anything. Um, and second, the software you install from a third party is coming from a potentially unknown third party source. So there's no guarantees that what you get is, is what it claims it's going to do. So if you accidentally install malware onto your jailbroken phone, it has access to everything on every application you have on the phone, and that could be potentially very damaging. Now, Sean, when we're talking about Apple, is it a walled garden or orchard? Ooh, it's a walled orchard. <laughs> Very specific to Apple's uh, core competencies. Okay, I'm done with Apple puns. I'm sorry. I just had to get those out of my system. All right. Well, that was a great synopsis there, Sean. And so let's get into what the actual article is covering here, um, which according to Uncover, this is an O'Day jailbreak. Um, since, and it sounds like since iOS 8, this is the first jailbreak in a while then. So what's included in this O'Day? Yeah, it's, this is the first one in the last five years, right? And, but, you know, the more interesting thing about what's happening now really isn't specific to this zero day. It's actually their larger story that's emerging around iOS devices and zero days in general. So just for everybody in the audience to be aware, uh, a very early developer beta version of the next version of iOS, iOS 14, was leaked back in February. This is a build of iOS from 
uh, late December, and it's been going around the hacker and security research communities, you know, since February. And then much more recently, uh, ZeroDM, you know, the big bounty uh, platform, the bug bounty people that pay, you know, up to a million dollars for good exploits, recently just straight up said, we will not be acquiring any new Apple iOS exploits for the next uh, two to three months because they've gotten so many um, high quality submissions related to Apple iOS. The CEO literally said they were awash in new bugs. And then third, don't forget that Checkmate still exists. So Checkmate is the permanent um, unpatchable hardware flaw that exists in older yet still current iPhones. So if you put those three data points together, to me, that suggests that security researchers and bad actors have been putting in some you know, real time and energy into exploring iOS, kind of seeing what's there and finding new classes of vulnerabilities uh, that are you know, in the current version and possibly in the upcoming versions of iOS. So that means that the zero day that's being used today probably isn't the last one we're going to see. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. Thank you for going into such detail there, Sean, and finding the more interesting components of this story. That's that's fascinating. And I'm curious if the group shared any information about the vulnerability that was exploited in iOS and what that looks like too. Do they have sort of a silver lining, if you will, this <laughs> this group? Uh, no, they they really have not shared any real details other than to say it's a memory corruption or memory consumption issue. So to me, it sounds like it's a buffer overflow somewhere. So they're sending some buffer, a whole bunch of data until it runs off the edge and they're taking advantage of that to leak some you know code into other areas of memory. With all of that in mind too, <laughs> It sounds like this is not a small operation in terms of how Uncovers presenting themselves to the internet. And in fact, they have a pretty extensive website with some additional information. So what are some of the details that they shared on their marketing materials? <laughs> well, you know, the, the Uncover as an application is really slick. It is super easy to use and uh, it's very straightforward. You can you download the software. They have it for Mac. They have it for Windows. They have it for Linux. You just plug in your iPhone and you click break and it just, bam, your, your phone is now jailbroken. It's, it's easy enough that, you know, maybe even my dad or somebody else like that could potentially, you know, hack their own phone if they wanted to. And it's, they tested it on a wide variety of devices going all the way back to the iPhone 6S and a whole bunch of iPads and iPod touches. And it's, it works on all versions of iOS going back to iOS 11 with a couple of exceptions. There's, it's weird because there's like a couple of versions of iOS 12 where it doesn't work, but mostly it works. It's, it's pretty remarkable. Like this software has been around for a while. They're at version five. I think it's 501. So they put a lot of effort into making it a very straightforward process to jailbreak your phone. Seems like they got a pretty good QA team there. They're supporting quite a bit. Yeah, they, <laughs> there's 11 people as part of this group. So they, yeah, they're making a quality piece of software. Wow. Well, I guess, again, the final question I like to ask, how, how concerning is this? It is, it's very serious. Um, serious enough that Apple has already released a patch. So maybe I should have started with this, but as of today, June 1st, um, Apple has dropped a patch 13.5.1 
to fix this specific O-Day. So go patch right now. My phone is actually already patched. Um, but you know, it's serious enough that Apple just dropped 13.5 a couple of weeks ago and they already dropped this, this you know, patch update version. But more importantly to remember is there is this unknown glut of other possible O-Days out there just waiting to emerge. So I, I fear, yet I suspect we'll probably be seeing Uncover release a new version that's got a different O-Day attached to it. We'll see Apple patch and we kind of see this cat and mouse game play over uh, the next couple of weeks or months. Mm, well said, and we'll have to keep a close eye on all of this. And with that in mind, let's jump right into those hoodie ratings. Chad, what would you rate this at? So yeah, this is a pretty serious bug. I would go ahead and rate this at um, definitely at least an eight, if not higher. Um, you know, iOS devices just being historically so secure and people um, put a lot of trust in them. You know, there's a lot of people who are Apple fans for that reason. They believe that it's unhackable and uh, there's a lot of sandboxing that goes on and and being able to um, uh, escape out with that and, and no day this serious, you know, that's something to really be concerned about. So um, yeah, I would definitely rate this at at least an eight, if not higher. Would you would you agree with that one, Sean? Yeah, I feel like an eight's pretty good on this, right? If if Apple already dropped a patch, they were really concerned about it. And of course, this has gotten a lot of press too. So there's a lot of other eyes kind of zeroing in on um, on uncover and kind of what they're doing. So you know, bad actors will look to see, oh, what well, what is this patch, and can we take advantage of you know this code base to try and push out you know a new you know a new exploit. So you know, if you've got an iOS device upgrade. Um, please. Sean's plea to the audience, please update. <laughs> and I will echo that. Yeah, it sounds very concerning. Uh, and I want to thank both of you for dropping some insights this week. But enough serious chatter. Let's get on into our game, Two Truths and a Lie. And with Tara getting a week off, I was given the chance to redeem myself for my horrible episode 48 performance where I did not deceive a single soul. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this another shot. And as a quick reminder, it's like the game Two Truths and a Lie, but instead of personal stories, there are three article titles. And you might assume that two are truth and one is a lie. And so let's see if Sean and Chad can go ahead and sniff out my deception. Are you two ready? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Bring it on, Decepticons. <laughs> Sean, I feel like you just like two truths and a lie sharked me right there, sounding lacking in confidence. <laughs> now you're just going to come guess it right off the bat. <laughs> All right, here we go. TrickBot attack exploits COVID-19 fears with Concur-themed ploy. That's number one. Malicious USB drives infect 35,000 computers with crypto mining botnet. That's number two. And the final article, phishing uses layoff Zoom meeting alerts to steal credentials. Ooh, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll hop right into this. That concerns me. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with number two being the lie. Okay. Um, just because right now in these times, who's passing a USB drive around? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Sean? Oh, wow. Chad, that's... Uh, uh, 
so let's see your trick bot, malicious USB drives, or layoff Zoom meetings. Well, so I'm going to go with number three, the Zoom meeting one, because I do know of a thing about uh, people getting into uh, layoff Zoom conversations, but this was somebody who was a reporter, like heard about this and kind of tried to sneak on to get like early insight into if a particular company was doing layoffs. So I think that's the story you're, you're, you're sneaking off of there, Kelsey. So I want to say number three, the Zoom layoffs. Sean, and before I reveal the lie, some some important business. You have an option, but you need to decide this before you know the outcome. Would what? you like your own scoreboard of just this one game, or would you like your points to go towards, or lack of points, to go towards Tarek's scoreboard? Oh, geez. Well, how well is Tarek doing? Let's can, see here. Can, can he afford to take the point hint when it's obvious that I'm going to, you know, flub this? Well, either way, he's in the top three. (laughs) 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 I would say I'm doing the worst. Let me read the scoreboard here. Let me give you from the A Riddle Apt in an Enigma um, episode. Give you the the score. So Chad is at 1,010. This isn't binary. I'm at 101 and Targ is at 111. Oh, I see. We should give him the option to bet all of Tarek's points. Double down? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> double or nothing. No, I, I will not double down, but uh, I still feel pretty good about my thing. Uh, I mean, Tark can can hurt me later, but if we can put this on Tark's charge card. I feel pretty good about that. The charge card. All right. So it is decided, and I shall do my classic amp up music here. Drum roll, please. I have redeemed myself. Both of you were wrong. (laughs) 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 Who is moving a US dream drive to 35,000 computers right now? (laughs) Not somebody that is social distancing. I can tell you that much. I hope it's just constantly like submerged in um, some sort of disinfectant. (laughs) (laughs) A sanitized USB just on the outside, though. Clean on the outside, dirty on the inside. Well, I felt I feel really good about that. And um, yeah, I guess, Sean, you're going to have to answer to Tarek. I suppose I will. Sorry, Tarek. <laughs> this is what happens when you take a week off, Tarek. Just kidding. Just kidding. It's healthy. It's very good. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have for this week. Um, our next episode of Breaking Badness is going to be the big 5-0. So that's a big deal. We're going to have to do something kind of fun for that. Definitely Hawaii Five-O themed. You read my mind, Chad. <laughs> I'm I'm growing a mustache for that episode. You'll be oh, able that, to hear it over the mic. Is that what you're growing a mustache for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've just been waiting for you to be like, I mustache you a question. I thought that was the entire intent. Mm, yes. I, I received a text message that was a photo from my brother um, who rarely is a able to or b chooses to grow facial hair, and it it was in its beginning stages. And he said, "What do you think of of my facial hair?" And I was like, "I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel about it." And he said, "Oh, well, it's growing on me." 
and I'm 80% sure he did it all for the pun. It was like the raison d'etre behind growing facial hair. <laughs> I respect that. Anyway, Alex, if you're listening, um, there you go. It worked. The pun paid off. Good job. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I want to thank you both. Sean, especially you, thanks for coming in and giving uh, Tarek a break and sharing your insights. We really appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be here. Do it anytime. Awesome. Well, we'll see you next week on Breaking Badness. Don't forget, don't drink and click. And we'll see you for episode 50. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at Domain Tools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click. <laughs>